I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Joining us today is Cirillo Gonzalez. He is a husband to his beautiful wife, Lisa, and they have four amazing children. For the past 20 years, he has been serving the youth in his community as a supervisor at the Chicago Park District. He is a member of New Life Covenant Church and the director of the New Life Covenant Sports Ministry, where they use sports as a platform to encourage people by sharing the love of Christ. So welcome, Cirillo. Thank you so much for being on the Courageous Podcast today. Thank you for having me. I am very excited for you to be joining us today. We've known each other for many, many years, and it's been really amazing to kind of see your growth and just see your journey. You know, what you went through and kind of who you are today is is so amazing and a blessing. And so I know that your story is going to touch someone today. So take us back to that time that changed your life and your kids' lives forever. Sure. I just want to give you feedback on how I met the mother of my kids. Um, you know, in 1990, uh, I was playing softball and saw it in the park and uh, I was playing with her uncle and her uncle introduced me to her and we get along together. We were talking and uh, she was telling me that she had a son and her, his name was Jerry. And, you know, Jerry's my stepson. I, I raised him when he was one uh, and I don't call him my stepson. You know, I call him my son because I had him since he was one. And I raised them. And in 1993, uh, we had a daughter. Her name is Stephanie. We were blessed with her also. So, you know, and we had a family of two. So it, it was a great moving forward. Um, in 2006, I got divorced with my wife. Um, and it was infidelity. And I'm not going to be ashamed why it was the divorce was going, but it was infidelity. And, and it was in her part. And, you know, we tried to work things out. But in the end of the day, it didn't work out. You know, I trusted him wasn't there anymore and and I felt that it was time for us to move on and um, so we got divorced uh, we shared custody with our with our two kids I had the kids with me in the house and I was raising them but we were sharing every weekend the kids would go to her house and she stays with them and and it was every every weekend and one day um, I left them for, for Christmas because they always spend time Christmas with their mom. And, and I always wanted that for them to be there with their mom for Christmas. Just one day they came back and, you know, and this happened in 2009 where her, my son came up to me and he was telling me that, uh, that his mom was kind of angry and she was crying and she was very upset and they didn't know why. And, and I tried to call her a couple of times just to, uh, to see if she was doing okay and never got to respond back. So the kids were scared. So I try to comfort them and try to call the mother and make sure everything was okay. Wow. So the fact that obviously they were very young, they didn't know why she was upset and why she was crying. Did you have any thoughts about that? Potentially what you thought could have been wrong with her? Did you just have no idea? I didn't have no idea. I, I know that um, my sister came upstairs one and she showed me a text. Their mother texted them and, and telling them uh, how much they uh, she loved them and, and that uh, she was proud to be sister-in-law and, and and it was kind of weird and she sent some flowers and like a picture of flowers to my sister mm -hmm. my sister was telling me 
if, if I knew anything. And I told her, I, I didn't know what was going on. And I, like I said, I, at that time, I, I tried to call her again to find out what was going on. And what happened after that? I know you received a phone yeah. call. Three hours later, I, I received a phone call. And it was the police officer that asked me questions. And they were asking me if they could come by the house and ask me more questions. And they didn't want to explain to me or they didn't want to talk to me over the phone. So they were ready to just talk to me in person. So I said, well, it's not a problem, man. Uh, when they came in, I had the kids go downstairs to my sister's house because I didn't want them to see the police officers at my house and, right. you know, and everything. So, and then um, they were asking me questions about the, uh, the mother. She committed suicide. They found her in, uh, in the closet. You know, she, she hung herself. And they was wanting to you know if I know anything about it and so on. I told them I didn't know anything. All I know was that my kids were explaining to me that she was kind of upset earlier and that she was uh, crying and she was angry. And my kids were scared about that. So I tried to call her a couple of times. She didn't respond back. I tried to text her and she still didn't respond back. And, you know, that's all I could tell them, you know. Mm-hmm. That's so disheartening. What was your first thought when the police officers told you that, that she had taken her life? You know... There's no thoughts, you know, you, you get to be numb, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know what to think. Um, I didn't know what to say, you know, it, it's something that's so hard just to think about, you know, I mean, you always think about death and, you know, we know that death comes, but this one was kind of like unexpected. It was in shock and, and there was a lot of answers in your mind thinking, okay, why would you do this? What happened? What was going on? Right. You know, it, just a lot of questions and it just, it just got me real numb. You know, I didn't know what to say anymore, you know. And how did you tell your kids that their mom was gone, that they weren't going to see her again? Well, it wasn't easy. How old were they at that time? At that time, uh, Stephanie was about 12. Jerry, I think, was about 14 years old. Wow. 15. It was just kind of hard. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know how to approach my kids and, and let them know how their mom, that their mom passed away and how she passed away. I was just trying to find a way to um, just to sit there and, and and let them know. But that the most important stuff for me was I know I had to embrace them before to tell them that because it was gonna, I know it was going to be hard. It was if it was hard on me, imagine dumb. Mm-hmm. So I I set them down in the room and and and, and, I, and I I think this sense a little bit because they were looking at me and say what's going on, what happened to mom, and I had to tell them, hey, listen to me, um, mom just passed away, and um, they were crying and. Jerry wanted to know what happened, what she did, and I didn't really want to. I didn't really want to tell him that she hung herself, but right, you know, uh, you know. And the end of the day, I had to tell him, hey, she committed suicide. You know what I'm saying? And you know, Jerry was kind of he took it more stronger because Jerry was the one who was saying, well, I couldn't done something about it, and I was telling him, you know, you couldn't do anything about it. You know, I mean, he, I could have stopped her. I could have stood there with her when she was crying, but she didn't want to. I can listen to me. At the end of the day, it's not your fault. So mm-hmm. Jerry, Jerry usually took it like it was his fault, that like he could have done something and he could have prevented this from happening. And from the, and the end of the day, sometimes we can't, you know. And to this day, he still still struggles with that. Definitely. It's not his fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's sad. It's sad to think that she felt that that was what she needed to do at the time, but no one really knows how she was feeling and, and how broken she was. And I wonder... What was your next step with your kids? You know, what did you do to comfort them and to kind of help them to get through this over the many months after she had passed? You know, the most thing is just spend more time with them, uh, keep their mind busy, 
occupied and things. Um, it was never easy because, you know, the holidays would come and her birthday would come and uh, Mother's Day would come. And, and they always trigger back memories of their mother. And the only thing I always just tell them that, you know, the mom always loved you and, you know, she was your mom and she did the best she can, you know. And I wanted mm-hmm. to keep the memories of their mother, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I never wanted that not to see their mother in a picture and give them the good time of their mother. You know what I'm saying? Not not the bad time. We all have good time and bad time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not going to sit here and judge anybody because it's not my job is to judge anybody. Exactly. And I don't want her, I don't want the kids to judge either. So I wanted them to remember the good time with their mother and how she was and who she was, you know, and how much she loved them and so on. And that's pretty much I did. Were you, I know we've had a couple conversations about this over the years, where you mentioned that you were angry and that you were frustrated that she had made this decision? I was angry. I mean, you look at it, I was, to me, I was like, you left me with two kids. And now I have to raise them up. And, and especially I had the female, I had Stephanie. But to me, the daughter needed the mother more than anything. The father is right. always going to be the father. Mm-hmm. But the mother is the nurture. Uh, uh, you know, of the girl, you know, and she, and, and I feel that Stephanie needed her and she wasn't there. And it was hard for me, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that Stephanie needed a female. And this is where my sister came in and helped out, you know, and my kids already know this. Uh, she did a selfish act to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and at times she might've thought for her that that would be the best decision to do. Right. But she never looked at the overall picture of life that, that you know, her two kids, how they were going to suffer and, and so on. And that's, that's what got me more angry on that. I mean, I think that's a natural response, you know, not only for you, but for your kids, just being upset and thinking like, you know, why did you do this? Why did you leave us, you know, when we still needed you? Did you guys ever figure out the why, you know, why she might have done this? Or is that still a mystery? When we got divorced, you know, like I said, we, there was infidelity in there by her part. And she left us uh, to be with another person, and I'm not knocking her out, you know. And I, and I want, right. this, I want this to get clear that I don't, and I don't want people to think that putting her as a bad person. No, I'm not doing that. You know, we make choices in life, and she made a choice that she wanted to do, and that's the only thing I'm saying. Whatever choice she made, she made, you know. But um, you know, she decided to go, and I stood with the kids. And a few back later, I know we had a me and her mom had a talk, and she was kind of a little bummed upset because she wanted to come back after mm-hmm. a couple of years she wanted to come back she said i messed up but at that time i was already moving on trust was never there anymore and i didn't want to go through that so i told her the best thing we could do is to be co-parent and be right. the best co-parent we can for our kids and be a, and, and just be friends and i right. wanted us to be friends you know what i'm saying until this day when she was not living i used to help her out when she needed something i I took care of her um, she needed to pay a, a light bill or gas bill that she couldn't do or whatever it is. I took care of it. I didn't handle problems right. with that, you know what I'm saying? Because she was the mother of my kids and I That's wanted right. to make sure she was okay, you know? And I didn't care what other people thought. You know, she's the mother of my kids and I wanted to make sure that she was taken care of and I wanted to be a supportive friend for her and knowing right. that she move on. That's awesome. I love that. And that's so important because you guys do share kids and a family. And, you know, it doesn't matter what mistakes we make as parents or what we do. We're human. But at the end of the day, that is their mother. They love her. It doesn't matter. That's their mom. And no matter what's happened, they just want to love her and and miss her, you know, and hopefully they are holding on to those awesome memories that they have with her. 
uh, because that's what we have to hold on to. You know, when we miss somebody that's no longer with us, we just got to continue to think about all the great things and all the good memories that we created. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, what kept you motivated to continue to push through such a difficult time with your kids? You know, to me, it was God. You know what I'm saying? That's the only thing I could say. It's God. I, I, I have no strength, and I had to lean on God's strength. But he put two guys in my life that uh, they were awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like Leo and Edwin. Uh, these are men of God who guide me to a lot of stuff. And I was not only him, but I had a friend also that wasn't going to church. He was a, a private investigator. He was a police officer, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. He lives in Florida, and he's another one who, his name is Johnny Colon. Mm-hmm. He was another guy that that was there for me and just giving me some advice and you know and just keeping my mind off things and hanging around with them. It, it, it took a lot. I'm playing my game, my sports. I, I play softball, so being with that atmosphere, playing my softball games every Saturday and Sundays, and be with the guys kept my mind moving and it kept going. You know what I'm saying? And then when my kids take them out, you know, I take them out. We used to go to the park or. Or, you know, we used to go to to the water park. You know, we used to do things to, to keep it distracted, you know. So basically you were trying to keep them busy, but also trying to keep, you know, yourself busy as part of your healing. And I think that, yeah, and spending time with people that you love and friends obviously is always helpful when you're going through something like this. Looking back, is there anything that you could have done different? You know, sometimes we do things or say things or things happen and we think, man, if I would have done this or oh, if I would have gotten there five minutes sooner, have you ever thought about that? And sometimes um, you start thinking how I could have been the hero to help out. And it does come to the mind. You know, I, it, it comes where, you know, when I was trying to call her and she didn't answer, just thinking well, she would answer, I would have found out what was going on. I could have gone over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I didn't go over to her house because she was living with her boyfriend and I didn't want to impose stopping by the house and find out what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Right. But if I want to go back, I would have done that. You know what I'm saying? I think I would have gone back. Even if a boyfriend would have been in the house, I would have knocked on the door and say, hey, what's going on? You know? And in the day, I, I don't want to sit here with any regrets. I think about I could have done something, you know? The only thing I could say is that just we have to look out for the signs. And I think that was one of the signs, especially when she sent the text to my sister. I could have just stepped out and go over there and find out what's really going on, you know? And mm-hmm. I didn't do it, you know what I'm saying? And right. There's a lot of signs that when somebody is just going to commit the suicide that you'll see, especially when one of them is sending a goodbye letter or something, you know? And mm-hmm. and, and and when you, somebody sends that, that means that you got to make sure you be there for them. And then also the anger. You see some anger in them. You see them depressed. I mean, even though they don't tell you. Like I used to tell her, are you okay? What's going on? And she never just tell me, she's telling me, yeah, everything's okay, I'm just tired. But there's the signs, there's still signs that we have right. to pay attention to them. And that's the most important stuff to me. Why did you think that it was important to step out today and share this difficult story? You know, if you look at it these days, a lot of people are, are committing suicide because they're going through a lot of stuff financially, you know, any kind of problem they're going through. And sometimes we don't even know how to deal with it. Sometimes we have, we are people that, are victim of suicides where, you know, we got a brother who committed suicide or a father committed suicide, you know, and, you know, we don't know how to cope with it, you know. And, right. and I think one of the best things to cope with it is just, to, first of all, is to seek help, you know, surround yourself with people that, that you can speak to, uh, seek counseling, 
keep your mind busy. But it's important, man, because suicide is, is, is to me, is the number one um, lead of death in this world. And people mm-hmm. are committing suicide everywhere because of the problem. And I just want them to say, listen to if, if, if me and my kids, I don't want to say move on, but if we took this challenge and we just hit it on, we say, we're not going to let this destroy our life. If I could do it, anybody could do it, you know? And don't get me wrong. I want people to understand that there's always, there's always going to be uh, thoughts about it. There's always going to come a day when it comes to the person's birthday or when it comes to holidays that that person might be thinked about. You know what I'm saying? And it's going to happen and you're going to go back to that. It's okay. Just think about the good stuff. If for some reason somebody was listening right now that was contemplating or has thought about taking their life, you know, for either similar reasons or other reasons as a victim of someone that's been kind of left behind to pick up the pieces for your family, what would you say to them? What I would tell them is that, you know, problems is going to happen no matter what. We just got to have to learn how to deal with the problems. And, and suicide is not one of the solutions. Just sit down and listen to that person. Because a lot of the people who commit suicide, it's, there's people that don't listen to them, you know what I'm saying? And they yeah. need somebody to come out and listen to them and listen to them. And then uh, don't judge them, but just let them know, hey, listen to me. This is not the solution. And just keep an eye on them. Be with them every day until, until they feel better. If they don't want to go to see a counseling or anything, then you take them. If they need, a, they're going to need a friend and you need to be that friend, that person to be there. Sometimes when people think about suicides because they don't know where to go from here on. They just think that ending their life is the best thing. And, and, and in the day, it's not. It's not. Um, obviously, this experience has changed you and, and allowed you to kind of open your eyes a little bit more. And hopefully, I know you're going to help somebody else that's you know potentially thinking about this or, or dealing with something like this. So tell me how your kids are doing today. And they're not kids, actually. They're already adults. So how are they doing today after this traumatic experience? My kids, uh, Jerry, who's 30, who'll be 31. Um, Stephanie, who's, who'll be turning 27 May 2nd, they're doing good. I feel that at this point, uh, Jerry still struggle with it. You know, he still thinks about so much and what he could have done. And, and as much as I, I sit there with him and, and speak to him about it, um, he feels that he should play a, 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 good, a role on this and how he could save his mother. And, but Stephanie is more, uh, she thinks about her mom a lot. She still misses her. When I'm telling my move on, it doesn't mean that she forgot about her mom. Right. I think that she knows how to, she coped it better and she understands and she's doing awesome. going to be 12 years that this happened. And I still think about it and it still bothers me and knowing that I got divorced, but it still bothers me because, you know, it, it's still fresh. You used to remember the pain that you went through and it's not a good pain. That's right. And that pain is always going to be there. But mm-hmm. it's, just learning, it's just a learning how to uh, overcome that pain. Then, like I always tell my kids, when you face something difficult that you know that you don't have no ways to go, clean on God and, and clean on your family. You know, um, talk to somebody. Uh, don't keep it inside and, and don't be embarrassed about it. You know? And so tell me, what does your life look like right now? I know that you were able to find love again and, and you have a beautiful family. Tell me a little bit about that. After my divorce, you know, I had my, my kids with me. Um, I never thought that I would be remarried again. But my first thoughts in my mind was, there's nobody going to accept me because I have two kids. You know, there's no woman going to be with me because I have two kids. To this day, I would say that I didn't want to be with somebody who didn't want to be with my kids because my kids are my, my life and they have to be part of me. 
That's right. And, and it was kind of hard. But for that time, I would just think, well, I'll be a single dad all my life until probably when my kids get older and they mm-hmm. get married. But, <laughs> you know, five years later, God bless me with a wonderful woman I met on church. Her name is Lisa. I, it was We connected awesome when I first saw her. It was like, for me, it was like love at first sight. When I first saw mm-hmm. her, it was just like, man. And my only worry about it is that, you know, I, you know, I had two kids, but we did continue to talk and she was kind of hard. You know, I tried to win her heart and I won her heart. And she told me she had a wonderful daughter. And, and she said that if they can't accept their daughter, they can't accept her. And I told her, well, I have two kids. And, and I felt the same way again. We started dating and two years later, we got married. We're a blended family of four wonderful kids, which is Jerry, Jocelyn, Stephanie. And now we have a new one, which was Ezekiel, who came into this picture in this world. He was born with Down syndrome, but he's the awesome kid. That Once you see him, he's so awesome. And you know how he is. Uh, uh, he, makes yes. your, he makes your life turn, you know. And He does. A wonderful kid. Uh, so we, uh, you know, we're blended for it. So God has blessed me with a beautiful house also three years ago. I, you know, I can't complain. If I look at my life the way it was before now, I, I, there's no complaint. I've been blessed. I thank God that he's been by my side and, and just guiding me all the way around. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you and your kids have overcome so much and that you were able to find love again. And, and you two have such a beautiful family, beautiful blended family. And your son is amazing. And I'm excited, you know, for what God is going to continue to do with you guys and in you as you continue to raise Zeke together. I know that you're doing a lot of really great things in the sports ministry. I mean, I myself have been part of that ministry with you for over 10 years. Tell people, you know, what you're doing in this ministry and and how they can connect and learn more about the New Life Sports Ministry. Sure. The sports ministry was um, was founded by our pastor, Edwin Caraballo, I'm going to say about 12, 13 years ago. I first joined him about, say, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, I joined with him. And since I play sports, I wanted to uh, be a person of God to bring sports into God. And how could we bring sports? I want to say about five years ago, Edwin stepped down as the director of the sports ministry. And he passed the torch to me, and I was blessed. God has chosen me to, to run this ministry. And what we do with this ministry is uh, we go out uh, and we play sports. And it's more about um, outreaching with people, going out, playing. If it's got to be softball, volleyball, uh, hockey, whatever sports we do, was to go out there and reach people and give the gospel of God. Playing the game that we love, but also listening to the word of God. Sports ministry has blessed a lot of people. And it continues this day to bless more people. And, and that's how I connect to people. And, and it's sometimes it's not have to be about sports. People call me up just to, just to talk to me about something personal and, and what they're going through. And, and that's what we want. We're there to, to help them out in whatever they need in life to be a, a brother or a sister, just to love on them. You know, and that's what we want to do in our sports ministry. And that's what we've been doing. That's amazing. And how can people connect with you? You can look at our Instagram, NLC Sports Outreach Ministry, and look at there. You see all the wonderful things that we've been doing there. Well, Sorello, I want to thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. I know that you will continue to grow and that your journey and your story obviously is not just for you, but it's for anybody else that's out there that wants to learn and grow and hopefully understand that life is difficult, but that we do have other options and that 
clearly in your life, God has been covering you all this time. And good things do happen even after going through something so difficult. Um, I'm also going to be speaking to your wife and doing part two of your story and your journey with her and your amazing son. So anyone that's listening, look out for this part two of Cirillo Gonzalez and Lisa Gonzalez as they share their new journey with their son, Zeke. So thanks again, Cirillo. Be blessed. And, um, and I look forward to hearing from you again sometime in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm grateful. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.